If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked. It's episode 492, coming to you, in my case, live from my parents' house in Arizona. I love the... Totally nondescript background. No, no fun gaming this time. But uh, this is, as I said, episode 492 for April 27th, 2021. Joining me are Miranda Sanchez. Hello. Hi, hello. I've returned. Uh, and and your, uh, your PSA for everyone is construction related? Yes. Yeah, so through the <laughs> next month, there is construction in my apartment building. And so you may, hopefully will not, uh, hear any banging or loud noises. They usually take lunch around the time we start recording, so hopefully everything just lines up and you won't be annoyed by whatever comes through on my audio. Perfect. Good good warning, just in case. And Destin Legary, how are you, my friend? My PSA is BAM-related because I'm going to bring the <laughs> hype this episode. How's it going, Ryan? You doing okay? Oh, uh, I'm well. Well, I uh, I brought you a present. You seemed happy about that. I sure was. It's behind me over there. It's the, <laughs> the Mass Effect helmet. Thank you so much, Ryan. I got to put batteries in it and make sure I set it to Renegade. The only way to play. No. Yeah. I- Yes, good. No. Yes, Miranda. Yes, <laughs> evil. You got to go evil. Just go full. Just lean into it. Lean into it. You'll be by, in Mass Effect Two. You'll be pushing people off of buildings. It's great. Well, it's I, great. Don't, I don't mind that sometimes. <laughs> Only sometimes. Um, yeah. Well, you know, to each their own. Uh, what have we got going on this week? We're going to talk about. Some big frame rates on Xbox this week, but first, a couple of quick PSAs. Number one, of course, our new YouTube home. Subscribe there. Uh, we're no longer updating the, the unlocked YouTube channel. We have moved to YouTube.com. YouTube.com. I don't know what I just said or what website that is. YouTube.com slash IGN Games. That's the place you want to go. Subscribe to that channel. Uh, we're trying to get all of our unlocked friends over to that new home. Uh, you can also find Beyond, Nintendo Voice Chat, Game Scoop over there as well if you're interested in any or all of those. And then also, the loot box. Remember, uh, Yappa is dead. We tried it. Appreciate everybody that uh, did send in those Yappas. But now it's even easier to be featured on Unlocked each week 
All you got to do is tweet me your video loot box question. Just record yourself on uh, on video and tag me at DMC underscore Ryan. I'm keeping a running list of them. We'll have one later on in this episode. With that, let's get rolling here. Uh, guys, I want to talk first about EA and FPS Boost. We have a just a massive drop from the Xbox compatibility team. I swear, do you, do you guys, before I get into this, you guys know, remember as well as I do, we all, uh, I mean, suffered isn't the right word, especially in the pandemic age, uh, suffered in the, in the video game context, not in the serious suffering, but do you guys remember how, how like sparse good Xbox news was for a while there last generation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> doing okay now. Yeah. Well, and that's. That's the beauty part is it just I feel like week after week after week now, it's like karma coming full circle that we podcast in and week out through the lean years of Xbox and the in the Xbox one age. Now things are getting really good, even right here, just at the start of the Series X era. We haven't even started really getting the first party games yet. But, you know, we talked we talked about uh, X Cloud last week. There's there's this one. There's all the Game Pass announcements. Well, now this week. We've got a whole bunch of EA games getting FPS boost on the Series X and S as well. Check out this list of games, and it's and these aren't just boosts. These are these are like turbocharge. These are like supercharged frame rates. Battlefield One, 120 hertz on the Series X. Battlefield Four, 120 hertz. Battlefield Five. You know where this is going. 120 frames per <laughs> second. Mirror's Edge Catalyst, 120. Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare, 120. Uh, Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville. That's the newer one. That's 120. Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 2, 120 frames per second. Sea of Solitude, which was one of the uh, excellent EA originals from a year or so ago. Maybe two years. I can't keep track of time year. anymore. Was it just last year? Boy, that's uh sure. Yeah. I remember it was at it was at EA's last EA the proper EA play like you know they're not at E3 but then yeah I don't remember when it came out Miranda did you play that one Miranda I haven't gotten to because I was pretty sure it came out when I was really busy the only reason I remember is because I had to assign coverage for it so we have an excellent guide for that by the way it was spoiler nice. free puzzle guide I just shout now oh what yeah that's that? the one where you you play the woman uh, on on the boat like in the flooded city I believe is the 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 basics of that one anyway that one's sixty frames per second never mind I am confusing this with another game I think it was two years ago <laughs> just no worries no worries you brought, it's time is you brought up the iOS beta and I got in by the way nice. yeah right right after the show over. too and yeah, yeah. I, mm -hmm. thanks <laughs> thanks Phil and Aaron Phil and Aaron got on the call with each other like let's get Destin in. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you did. I never got the email. I kept seeing because like Paris got in, Danny Pena got in, you got in. And then I, so I thought, OK, well, they're doing another wave here. I should check my email. Nothing. But that's all right. We'll get there. It's um, really good, uh, Ryan. And quick correction. I was confusing with Call of the Sea, the other sea that's, game. Yes. That, Call of the Sea, I did play all the way through. Sometimes. Yes. Never mind. Sea of Solitude was two years. Two years ago, yeah. Call of the Sea is really good. Uh, that's that was a, an Xbox Series X launch title that is also available on Xbox One. That is uh, our friend and the great Sissy Jones voicing the the main character in that first person adventure game. Destin, yeah, hold your thought on uh, X Cloud because actually I do want to hear about that. We sure. didn't talk about that before the show, but I'm glad you, <laughs> we're gonna have I we're gonna do to a little impromptu up. segment. 
Uh, sea of Solitude, as I said, 60 frames per second. Star Wars Battlefront, 120 frames. Battlefront 2, you guessed it, 120 frames. Titanfall 1, 120 frames. And the great Titanfall 2, 120 hertz on Xbox Series X and S, by the way. Unravel 2, also 120. So uh, that's it. Look at that. I mean, that that was a lot of games. A lot of games that I just listed off. I want to say huge credit to the Xbox team on this because we know the compatibility team leads the way on on these uh, FPS boost things. The developers of the games don't actually have to do anything. Uh, They just sign off on it when Microsoft says, hey, look what we did. And then they just go, okay, great. And uh, and this is just awesome. And really, you got to say kudos to EA for being good partners too. EA takes a lot of crap, and a lot of some of it has been justified. But this is a case where uh, both Microsoft and EA absolutely doing right by players. It's stuff like this that will help rehabilitate EA's reputation. Yeah, I think EA um, has a long way to go though for that. But. Sure, that's fair. But you got to start somewhere, right? Sure. Well, I think, here we are, starting I th- at 120 frames, <clears throat> Destin. Yeah, I think this is going to add a lot to these existing games. And it's just sort of a nice gesture. I don't know technically how they were able to do it, but the fact that they were able to do this across so many different games that are beloved by gamers everywhere. Like, I think the Battlefield series, it's awesome that you can play in 120, especially if you're playing, you know, uh, in the multiplayer sandbox, for example. Uh, Titanfall 2, obviously very highly coveted and acclaimed. Going up to 120 on your Series X, it's just it's just great news for anybody who's playing on an Xbox Series X or S. It's it's equally impressive that they got to 120 on both platforms for a lot of these yeah. games, and yeah. I, I think it's really cool. Yeah, it's 120 yeah. hertz, so it means it can go up to 120 frames. We don't know that it would like run at 4K 120 or anything like that, but it's just it's awesome. It's just great to have as an option, you know. And so. Miranda, is Titanfall 2 the the number one? Like, if you're going to play one game on this list that you haven't played, is Titanfall 2 the one for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one I always go to. Um, I think especially with how big Apex got, and a lot of people, or from my understanding, hadn't played Titanfall. It's just like, guys, please, just, just go for it. It's so worth your time. Yeah, well, we know a lot of people didn't play Titanfall 2 because <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't sell great because EA put it out at the worst possible time. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know what would be a great idea? Let's take our, our AAA awesome first-person shooter that we're trying to make a franchise out of called Titanfall that we signed Vince Zampella. Away, you know, it cost Vince a lawsuit with Activision to get him over here. And let's, let's put his game out that could make or break his franchise Let's put it out after Call of Duty and before Battlefield. That'd be a great plan, wouldn't it, guys? And everybody in the boardroom says, yeah. Why does no one in the boardroom say no? What a dumb <laughs> idea that was. Oh, man. That was the worst idea. I'm, I'm yeah, just, said- for our people listening, I'm watching, we're, we're watching gameplay from Titanfall 2, and it's just, it's breaking my heart because the multiplayer for that was so freaking fun. And yeah. knowing that, Exactly what Ryan said. Like, it just didn't come out at a good time. Like, even though, sure, there's a campaign for it, multiplayer shown so well, but there just was not a player base for it. And so since you had a smaller player base, if you were newer to the game and you're in here with, like, these, like, first-person shooter veterans who just know what they're doing and will execute on all these cool actions, you're just going to get wrecked, and then you're not going to want to play anymore. And then the population is just people who are really good at it. And it's it's sad. Anyway, sorry, Dustin. (laughs) Well, yeah, you fast you fast forward a few 
Sorry. I'm sorry, Miranda. We're talking oh, yeah, over no. each other a lot this episode. I apologize. No, it's okay. It's hard. You know, it's uh, <laughs> working from home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, all, all I was going to say is you fast forward a few years from Titanfall and Titanfall 2, and we're all talking about Apex. And Apex is this mega success, which, which continues the lore from the Titanfall series. Now, uh, Stella has done a fantastic job of sort of recapping her love for the Titanfall series while also informing us on IGN about you know, what they've been doing with the Apex series and how it all sort of ties together. So it's just great to see that the, the basis of these two fantastic games, which have been updated, have helped, you know, create Apex. Like you just saw a fatality there. That's what I call them. And they have finishers <laughs> in Apex, probably, you know, thought of as an implement, something they were able to implement further down the line. And it's cool. It feels like Nightfall 1 and 2 was them sort of finding what they wanted to create. And then they they built Apex and they're like, okay, yeah, we really, really are onto something. Here. So we just recently put up on IGN a uh, top 10 first-person shooter campaigns of all time, mm-hmm. which uh, I was involved with because I, I would... I just wormed my way into it because it's one of my probably my favorite genre and Titanfall two right near the top of our list. It was right up there. Um, yeah. Destin, where, where does Titanfall two's campaign rank on your, your list for yourself? Um, honestly, I would have to look at the other games in the list. I have played through the Titanfall two campaign and I like it. I know the moment they got everybody, but for me, <laughs> It's not as highly regarded as everybody else, so it's trepidatious with with talking about it. I like it, but I'm just yeah. like, okay, like I I experienced the moment, but I, I'm also like, I'm sort of a, an outlier with uh, falling in love with a lot of first person shooter campaigns that people. Okay, all right, well, sorry <laughs> <laughs> everybody. Well, Destin, all right, then do this for me, Destin. Yeah. Hop in the way back machine with me while we're talking about Titanfall. Because, you know, Titanfall 1 is also on this list. It's now playable at 120 frames per second on yeah. Series X. I don't know if there's any community left for that, because, of course, that's multiplayer only. There is no campaign. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Destin, you remember, you? I've only ever been to Gamescom in Germany once, mm-hmm. and it was 2013, the year of the Xbox One launch. You were there as well. And, uh, well, number one, I remember we did, we did an episode of unlocked from your hotel room. I remember that. (laughs) Uh, but the other thing, the vivid memory I have from that gamescom trip, as far as the work stuff goes is, do you remember us going into that room and playing Titanfall one for the first time that multiplayer match? No, we did. You don't remember? No, gosh. Because well, well, let wow. me say, like, I was hooked on Titanfall One. I really, really liked it. I, I liked uh, like the auto gun, obviously, because I can't aim. You know, I work at the pistol. Yeah, the smart <laughs> pistol. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I loved using that weapon. I remember uh, me and Alfredo were really, really hooked on the original Titanfall for a while. Me too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't remember playing it in a hotel room. Wow. I'm su- <laughs> well, no, no, not. It was at the. It was at Gamescom. We did unlocked in the hotel room. But oh, okay, okay. But no, I remember we we. It was uh, Devin was the name of the PR guy, and who who we'd known for a long time. And it was, I just so remember there, there aren't a lot of those for me over the years where those just like extra special moments where I was so excited to see something and then it delivered, you know, we, we went behind closed doors to their, into their meeting room and we played Titanfall. And I remember we just, we, I had such a great, that, that was, that was, it was, I'll tell you what it was like for me. It, It reminds me of, I don't know if it's quite, nothing's quite at this level, but 
I also remember the first time I played Halo 2 multiplayer, which was behind closed doors at E3, and it was one single flag CTF on Zanzibar. That's what they were showing. And then I kept having to go back. You know, that was we had one appointment, and then I kept going back and and bugging the PR people saying, Can you sneak me in? Can you sneak me in again? And I got in once one or two more times for Halo. And it just that was such a that first time I played Halo 2 multiplayer. And I, I feel that same way about that that Gamescom trip when we played when we played Titanfall one multiplayer for the first time. That was that was one of my favorite when we're just, you know, we're all calling in the Titans for the first time and using the smart pistol. And oh man, that was uh that was a good time. So just just wanted to share just I'm hoping through this that some of our love for Titanfall is is oozing through the speakers into people's earbuds so that they will uh Go try these games, especially now that they're 120 frames on the Series X. Yeah, play it. And the original Titanfall is pretty short. So if you do want to experience the story, it's it's multiplayer based, but you can actually go through a campaign and there is a story told. True. I mean, can, yeah, you, can you can't right play it by time. yourself, though. No, I yeah, mean, like, do... it's online, but you, you can right. play it by yourself, but you will be paired right. with other people in a multiplayer yeah, yeah, environment. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's that was that one back when they were like, OK, we're going to do this without a campaign and then there is a hissy fit about it i'm like no just let it be like i'm one of those people who uh, I, i've said this before too like when, when it came to call of duty i mostly just ignored the campaigns when i was growing up i just wanted to play multiplayer that is all i cared about and to, to hear respawn saying hey we're giving our all just multiplayer and this is before a lot of like those games as a service and i think uh, for 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 shooters and like battle royales really kicked off so people were like yo you can't do that you gotta have a story <laughs> And well, yes, I do love campaigns. I also love a real damn good first-person shooter multiplayer, and that's what they try to give us. And then we got a weird fusion of that, but you know, it grew into something really special as well. So, and and that was that was also the first major third-party exclusive on the Xbox One because it came out in March of 2014. You know, a few months, which of course, poor you know, poor respawn. They they. they <laughs> the, the Xbox One was uh, not well regarded at that point as a platform by uh, by developers or consumers alike for in a lot of ways. But um, still, we did get a Titanfall two, and it then it and it did have an amazing campaign, and then no one bought it because EA put it out at a horrific time. Yeah. So Titanfall seems kind of snake bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, at least Apex is working. <laughs> yeah, they yes. finally got it right with Apex. Third time's the charm, right? Well, yeah, right, right game, right time, multi-platform worked out well for them that time. But, but yeah, good stuff from EA, good stuff from the Xbox compatibility team delivering. Uh, I mean, because before this, guys, I think, I mean, we've there are a handful of of games that support 120 hertz uh, up until this point on Series X, but this this list alone probably doubles or triples the total number of of 120 frames per second games on the Series X. Like this is. This is great stuff. This this list might be enough to start uh, nudging some people in our audience to to make that TV upgrade because oh, yeah, this is going to sure. keep coming. Yeah, Ryan, real and, quick. And go while, while go we ahead, were, Destin. Yeah, while we were talking, I actually uh, booted up my my iOS version. I just wanted to show off a little bit of Halo, and this is running. Well, I was going to get to that next. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going there. I just wanted to show it. Really quick. All right. Well, we're, I guess we're doing it now. So, All right. Yeah. So this is Destin is if you're watching or if you're listening on audio, Destin right now is is got his uh, phone 
and the controller facing the camera. He is playing Halo via uh, via xCloud. So, Destin, actually, what I want to ask you, um, mm. besides, well, I want your general impressions, but I also want to know, because, again, I don't have it yet. A lot of our iOS-owning listeners don't have this yet. Can you explain the how easy it is to use? Because it's how how does it work? Because it's we know it's through the browser. That's yeah. the workaround. So so if you could take the floor, please. Yeah. So basically, you get sent an email, and then you're invited into the beta, right? And you sign up, and what it does is it opens a separate thing, and it creates a home icon, and then you just sign into the service. Now, as I was playing, we're obviously doing this recording right now, so my bandwidth is being you know, uh, split between my phone and that. So I don't think it's indicative of the quality, but for the few seconds there where you got pretty solid gameplay, that's largely been my experience. And I know I've been pretty uh, hard on, on cloud-based gaming for the most part, because I'm like, hey, I don't feel like it's ready yet. But my experience with this has actually been much improved from the last time I played it. Like, you know, at E3, when I played it, I was like, okay, there's a little bit of input latency. And then, you know, going forward, uh, I just want to say that I, I've been, I've been impressed and I'm more hopeful about where we're going with uh, xCloud Gaming. It's It runs really well on my phone. It is super easy to hop in. Like, okay, I shut off Halo and I'm going to hop into Killer Instinct. Yep. It sets up your stream and then it'll boot right into it after a few seconds. And I bought this is like... a little jet on the screen? What yeah, is that? It's, it's their icon for, for the stream. It's like a little jet and then... Uh, Keep in mind, I'm sending a video signal through vMix right now. I'm on Discord and I'm doing all this other live production stuff. And then it's like, are you ready to play? Your stream is ready. Go for it. And then there, we're in Killer Instinct. Nice. Right? So it's oh, just that's a, few, really good. a few seconds. You don't have to download anything. And then, you know, you can just get in there and you can see the input latency is uh, pretty light. Once I get past the, the intro dialogue here. Oh, yeah. yeah all, the, I, all the splash screen stuff. Yeah. I Like I said. I'm I'm happily corrected about my my and, stance. And what um what controller phone contraption do you have there? Do you is that good? Do you want to give that a plug? Like oh, is no. that one you'd recommend to no, people? No, this is something I bought off eBay for like no. three dollars, and uh, <laughs> and it's just an Xbox an extra Xbox controller I had. Well, the fair enough. Yeah, because so, um, so no, yeah, we know there are a number of. There are a number of uh, of like official options out there that Microsoft has sanctioned from from third party peripheral makers. Yeah, Destin is not using one of them. Yeah, those. I think you're referring to the Kishi, which a lot of people have been talking That's about. And the Backbone is yeah. the other one I hear a lot about. Yeah, and the Backbone, neither of which I've I've tried out yet. But uh, I mean, I would like to. Those attached to the side or around the back of the console. Right. And and like I don't use it enough because my Xbox is right there. Sure. <laughs> and my TV is right there. So like, oh, I'm going to bust out my phone because I don't want to turn a little bit. I'm playing my 120 hertz TV, <laughs> you know? Yeah. We've uh, reached peak Wally. Yeah, right. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to play on the TV, right? If I'm just going to chill out. And that, that's been my yeah. best experience with the console lately. It's just like, because we sit at these desks all day and Rand and I were sort of, I think we were talking about this yesterday. Like, it's nice to go anywhere else, even if it's the couch over there in my living room and chill out and play a game. As opposed yeah. to sitting at your work work desk. Yeah, so. I've definitely been feeling the fatigue of just. I I love my PC games. I love Dota, guys, but I don't want to play right now because I just don't want to be at my desk. Anything yeah. but my desk. <laughs> well, having something like this, and there's also a lot of touch-enabled games like Minecraft Dungeons. They spend right. a lot of time working on touch-enabled controls, uh, which which works quite well with the game. It's it's really cool. I hope more games consider uh, touch controls. And I think 
there was a stat like uh, um, people who play in the cloud, like 40% of them use touch controls. Don't miss, don't misquote me there. Look up the specific quote because it was uh, taken out of context. Don't uh, misquote your misquote. Yeah, don't misquote my misquote. <laughs> but a lot of people use touch controls is what it's getting at. <laughs> yeah. I'll try and find well, good quote. stuff. No, that, I'm, I'm really looking forward to trying it out. That looks like it's a, a, a reasonably smooth experience and it's still in beta. You know, it's going to continue to improve and evolve. So uh, yeah, for sure. Good stuff from Microsoft. But when I play it and that's all that I'm doing, it runs really, really smoothly. And I honestly, I just need to get in there and I need to play a game for an hour to see if that stuttering continues um, right. when you're not doing other things. Basically, This week's podcast unlocked is brought to you by Nord VPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Unlocked without the E. That's N O R D V P N dot com slash U N L O C K D. And that'll give you four extra months on the two year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Excellent. Well, thank you, Destin. Uh, you did ruin the great segue that I had set up. Uh, for, <laughs> for We were taught, you know, we were in the Titanfall zone and about how Titanfall seems kind of snake bit and could never really get you know, get uh, a, a lucky break. Well, Respawn is working on a new franchise that hopefully EA won't decide to publish between Battlefield and Call of Duty. Uh, Respawn's Stephen Kahin Wong tweeted, want to get in early and help build a new IP from scratch? We're a team of five right now with an emphasis on five looking for our sixth, parentheses, a coder. 
And Vince Zampella, the studio head of Respawn, saying, looking for an exciting new opportunity, new Respawn project, super exciting stuff. Get in early, as he quote tweeted Steven on that. So um, really cool to, to hear about a new IP being incubated over at Respawn. Miranda, I mean, uh, what's what I think is interesting here is I don't really think there's any predicting what this could be because this is a studio that has done multiplayer first-person shooter, great campaign first-person shooter with Titanfall 2, uh, Battle Royale, one of the biggest ones in the world with Apex Legends, but also Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is kind of a Souls-like. So I don't know what this what their new IP could possibly be, and that's kind of exciting, right? Oh, absolutely. I think Respawn is one of the most exciting studios to watch. Uh, I'm very partial to their shooter team just because I think they've made some of my favorite first-person shooters of all time, uh, and they're always really quality. And obviously, we've just gotten a lot of really great games out of Respawn. So what I'm excited to see is that they're potentially like looking to build these smaller teams to just maybe play with something that's really cool. And I remember when they were talking about uh, Apex early on, they were kind of worried about it. Like They didn't know if it was going to do well. They're like, well, let's just put this out in the world and see what happens. And obviously, uh, some really good things happened for that. So uh, I'm just excited to see what this could be. Obviously, if they're still just building the team, it's very early on. So I don't think we will hear anything about this. And who knows? It may not work out. Maybe they try to like put this together, like, you know what, this isn't working for us, and they scrap it. So who can say what's going to happen with this project? But maybe if we have a good memory, we'll remember this day when we talked about Respawn's new small project. We'll be like, oh, yes, this is that project that they were working on. Neat. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, games do prototype and not work out all the time. We just usually don't hear about it. That's that's a normal thing within the video game industry. So <laughs> it is entirely possible. But but yeah, I, lo- I love the idea that Respawn is going to keep spreading their wings and doing something else that's new and interesting. Now, Destin, one thing, uh, there are a couple things that that have been a pattern with Respawn. One is they've delivered quality consistently. Great, great stuff. Number two they're uh, they're like the rogue studio within EA who won't use Frostbite, or at least they haven't yet. They so Titanfall uh, and Apex are built off the Source engine from Half Life, like Half Life Two, uh, heavily modified and evolved over time. And then, of course, Jedi Fallen Order was built off of Unreal Engine. So uh, I I wonder, Destin, if if this new project might be when they finally give in and. Uh, and make the, the the overlords happy and use frostbite. I, I don't think they're going to use frostbite. I think EA's kind of moved away from that just as a as a rule of thumb because yeah. they're like, okay, like how many critical bombs do we need in the frostbite engine? Like anthem failing has to be a massive hit to their bottom line. Andromeda, yeah, and and Andromeda being a bomb, you know, like critically and uh, like regardless of what we feel personally about those franchises, um, the the challenge is is very clear, like. The people have responded and it's not a good look for yay so letting respawn sort of do their thing use the engine that they want to use and uh the engines that they're using have a ton of support because so many people in the industry use them that is just a win i, I don't think they moved to frostbite i think the odds of that are, are very low i think the the team making battlefield who know it the best if that's what works for them, great. Keep doing it because right. Battlefield looks phenomenal. That's what it's built for, right? It's built yeah. for Battlefield, really. Yeah. yeah at the end of the day. Exactly. So 
they should keep doing them and EA or Respawn should keep doing Respawn, you know? And thankfully they will. We know they will. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, about you make it. Yeah, you make a great point about about the the engines that respawns use being having so much support and tools available to them. Not not I'm not saying Frostbite doesn't, but you know obviously they've got Dice as a you know internal partner at, within EA. But but yeah, like Source is, has been using a ton of stuff over the years, and Unreal obviously is is spread far and wide across the industry. So yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be really fascinating to see what uh what respawn decides to cook up and what kind of game it is what technology it'll use but um and and kind of you know definitely bold of them to just openly recruit on twitter through you know through (laughs) through vince and through their team to say hey you know we're the we're the cool guys at ea come join us I'll, I'll, i'll say this they haven't had a miss yet exactly yeah they're they're what four for four yeah, uh, Titanfall one, the, two, Apex. The VR game wasn't it Medal of Honor? Oh, you're no, that's that was that was not a good game. <laughs> Sadly, say, there's, I, there's one in there that did not yeah, quite hit well. I, I you're right. I this. totally forgot, man. Yeah, uh, Medal of Honor above and beyond a game mm-hmm. that, yeah, it's if you haven't, I, I imagine most of our audience hasn't played it. It is uh, the <laughs> the the documentary stuff that they did. They went and shot a bunch of like actual mini documentaries with surviving world war ii veterans and they took them back to europe to the site of the place that they had you know a conflict or 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 uh, some sort of you know big event happen uh during world war ii those are i mean i've never i'd never cried in a vr headset (laughs) with a headset a vr headset on my face until i watched a couple of those they're they're absolutely brilliant films uh, that should be seen without having to play a, a not super great VR video game. But yeah, unfortunately the game is, uh, does not back up the, uh, the, the, the incredible documentary work. So hopefully respawn releases those. In fact, um, thank you for bringing that up Miranda, because yeah. I guess I'll just mention, even though it's not Xbox news, it's a VR game. You can't play it on an Xbox, obviously, but one of those documentaries, one of those mini documentaries from medal of honor just won an Oscar. So that tells you how uh, how significant and how good those are. I, I'll right, call well, that a win. <laughs> that's true. That's. <laughs> I'm that's, gonna say it's a like, win. Sorry, we're we're just all over the place today. It's ba- it's rough. I I don't know if uh, it's, uh, it, it's I'm gonna blame it on me being not in my home space. That I'm not uh, my timing's off. Um, what are you gonna do? Really quickly, I brought up the. Um. Sorry, the job listing for this fit or the six coder position. Um, yeah. The description is: We are looking for a software engineer to jo- join a compact incubation team currently developing a brand new IP. Um, and so I was trying to see if there were anything that kind of hints at what it's going to be. It doesn't look like it, but it's oh god, they're talking about math. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know, but I hate math. I hate math. Uh, anyway, I went to journalism school so that I wouldn't have to do math. You know, I did my and one course out. in college and I said, <laughs> I'm out. I am done. You can't force me to do this unless I have a computer next to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was hoping that we could see something. But, you know, having it called an incubation team does mean that like they are trying to really focus and sort of play around with what this could be. So just like a final note on that, I guess. All right, uh, let's move to the next item. 
Actually, another EA project. So EA getting some love this week. It Takes Two, which EA published on behalf of Hazelight and creative director Joseph Ferris. It is off to a great start. We knew it was off to a great start critically. It got a 9 out of 10 from IGN. And last I looked, the Metacritic was at a 90, which is just tremendous to see for any game. Uh, Now it is commercially a success as well. Hazelight announcing on Twitter, wow, just found out that It Takes Two has sold over 1 million copies and is still going strong. Thank you so much for all the love you've shown our game. It means the world to us. And Joseph Ferris quote tweeting that saying, this shows that there are there definitely are players that also want to play co-op only games. Thank you, everyone, and I hope we see more games like this. Uh, I think I think am I still the only one in the room that's had a chance to to spend time with this since it is a two player specific game, Destin Miranda. <sighs> I haven't played it yet. But I I'll take that time. sigh. <laughs> I felt really betrayed yesterday because I was like, oh, I mean, I should ask my twin sister to play with me. You know, like I have a twin. Yeah. It's like my automatic co-op partner. Sure. And uh, literally during a meeting while you're we talking about this game, I saw her sign on to Steam to play with someone else. I was like, OK, oh. I see how it is. <laughs> oh, wow. Betrayal yeah. ton. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that one that cuts deep right there. That's a tough, tough one. But yeah, if you're watching on video, you're seeing some of the some gameplay from it now. But yeah, it's I played the first two hours. I'm playing with Jonathan Dornbush, who uh, I, we are both eager to to find some time in our schedules to to jump in and continue together. But it's really good. I I will say, thus far, I personally like a way out better, which was Joseph and Hazelight's last game. Because it's it's more of like a playable, to, like it's like a, it's like a co-op HBO drama, like a period piece. This is much more. It takes two is much more whimsical, uh, which isn't a bad thing at all. It's just it's very different. Uh, but it's it is it's it's exceptionally good so far. You're never doing the same thing twice. You're never doing the same thing for more than a, than a few minutes. The game has constant variety. It's really fun to play together. So um, yeah, and, and remember, it does have a a friend pass. So if you buy a copy, you can invite the, a friend that you want to play with you into it without needing to buy another copy. So everybody should play. It takes two. It is excellent. Really happy to see a great game sell uh, a big amount of copies because it deserves to do so. Let's move forward here. we got a couple more topics. So this is... I'm going to tie this back to Xbox. You're going to think, what are, what are you talking about? Why are you talking about a PlayStation thing? PlayStation is uh, saying, well, PlayStation's delisting of Cyberpunk 2077, quote, influenced sales on other platforms, according to CD Projekt Red. So in the company's first investor call since the release of Cyberpunk 2077, a CD Projekt Red executive implied that Sony's decision to pull Cyberpunk out of the PlayStation store influenced sales on other platforms with this quote. In general, I would say that the sentiment about cyberpunk and the situation with the digital Sony digital storefront, the fact that we were cut off from large portions of the market, which may have also indirectly affected gamers' decision to purchase the game on other platforms, definitely influenced the sales. Now, what I want to throw to you guys first, and I'll go Destin's way here to begin with, you could interpret that a couple different ways. And what I'm clear, curious of is, Destin, how do you interpret that? Do you think that they're saying, that CD is saying that sales on Xbox and PC went up 
as a result uh, of it being unavailable on the PlayStation Store? Or do you think that they're suggesting that sales suffered as a result of PlayStation pulling it? I think it went up. I mean, to me, like it seems that seems the only interpretation that you can make. If I'm unable to buy it or if, if your main platform is PlayStation and you're unable to buy it there, but you also have an Xbox. OK, I'll pick it up on a one X because like I think we often think about just Series X versus PS5, right? When we're thinking about what's our main platform of choice, you got to remember some people like let's say you only have a PS5 and you can't play Cyberpunk. All right, I'll play it on my Xbox One X instead. If, if that's where I'm only able to play it, because when I'm able to get a Series X or a Series S, I can just continue my progress from there. And we're still waiting on that next gen update for everything anyway. So I, I would have to interpret that as sales went up on the Xbox and Windows options. How about you, Miranda? Where do you fall on this? I agree with Dustin based on the phrasing of this. So um, the quote decision to purchase the game on other platforms definitely influenced the sales. So I don't think they're necessarily trying to talk about like the success or whatever it may have been, but just that, yes, because you could not get it here. Obviously, you had to go buy it elsewhere. And so for those people who do own multiple platforms did have the option to get it somewhere else. Um, and I'm that's it's like a weird comment, too, because I feel like sales on those systems would have been on the consoles, at least would have been down anyway, based on the performance issues. Like if right. if I only had one option to buy it. I mean, and if I weren't doing the job that I do, I probably would have considered waiting to see what problems people were having on Xbox before deciding to purchase it. Um, especially if I was saying like Series X, like even without the next gen updates to it, um, how stable of a performance am I going to get out of this? Especially if this is a game I was waiting for for a long time. But also since I have PC, I, I just play on PC. But, you know, I think there's... A large discussion around that as always but it, it's a strange thing to bring up but i, I mean obviously if they're going to talk about investor calls it's going to revolve around sales so sure yeah and some so go ahead destin please well, i was going to say one thing to note is it still sold tremendously well oh yeah uh, they were very very clear about offering refunds to anybody who purchased the game who wanted it it seems like not a lot of people took advantage of that but um i think don't play it on a base platform is still my recommendation. I think once you get to the One X and uh, PS4 Pro, you're getting into more stable territory. And if you're playing on the Series X and PS5 at this point, at least it's not crashing. So, or at least it's, it should be crashing less is what I've heard, but I haven't tested it for myself. So, uh, yeah, obviously this game's been through the ringer. I think the, the public perception is uh, largely negative, but it did not affect their sales. So what we hear on Twitter and, you know, within our gaming spheres is not indicative of people purchasing a product. And like that also sort of brings up the morality of like, were they genuine in their marketing and everything, which they're definitely taking heart and hopefully learning from going. So I, I actually respectfully disagree with both of you on this. I think they're saying that sales were down on the other platforms because mm -hmm. the way I interpreted this, number one. I think if the sales went up on PC and on Xbox, I think they would have said that because this is an investor call. They're there to give as good of news as they can so, to their investors. Uh, sorry, for me to clarify too, I don't necessarily mean that there were... Oh, I think for my interpretation was this, it was more than expected that would have been on those respective platforms rather than right. overall more than they're expecting. Um, right. So I guess that's, that was my thought on it. 
So I agree I, with you too. <laughs> I, no, I, I still think they were down. I, I think they, if they, if things had been, if they'd, if they'd seen a bump, uh, that higher than expected on those other platforms, I think they would have said so. Mm. I think the fact that my interpretation is that it, this is the quote, the sentiment about cyberpunk and the situation with the Sony digital storefront, the fact that we were cut off from large portions of the market, uh, which may have also indirectly affected a gamer's decision to purchase the game on other platforms. I think they're saying, and they're saying definitely influence the sales. I think that, you know, the, the word gets around from your friends that like, oh, it's, they, you know, you can't even get it on PlayStation because it's so bad. I think people then held off. Um, so that there, there were some other financial numbers, Destin, that said that their their numbers were not as high as they had anticipated them to be, which is to be expected after everything that, that's gone on with this game. But, well, but yeah, I just that, thought this was... Yeah, go ahead. The numbers they report are $563 million uh, in revenue, but they lost $51.2 million to the Help Me Refund program. Right. But I mean, there's so like... Maybe they projected 600 and doing some rough math here, 610, 615 million in sales, but they only made 563 million in sales, you know, and sort of talking about this, there was also recently a video about one of the developers talking about designing the the narrative for the game, getting a little bit emotional because um, there's, there's this challenge of like, you know, putting your heart and soul into something and then, you know, having the consensus just be games bad, don't play. No, but I, I think there are some excellent stories in Cyberpunk 2077 that I hope that the game gets to a point where it's similar to what I experienced on PC because I had a really enjoyable time yeah, on PC. I had PC. a great time. Yeah. And like we get we get a hard time all the time for giving it a nine on PC, but like it was a pretty dang good experience oh, on yeah. PC for, for most of us. Base consoles, though, we gave it a four because it's such a vast gamut of of quality that you get for this this property. And we don't see this often. This is a really no. different territory where um, we had to like be responsible and go out and review each SKU differently because it was so vastly different. You look at God of War, like you got the PS5 version, the PS4 version, and the PS PS4 standard version, and like it's just great across the board. And Cyberpunk just did not do that, not even close. Yeah, the last the last time there may have been another more recent example, but the the one thing that pops into my head. Just Cause 3, uh, I remember we gave that a, a significantly lower score on consoles than on PC because it was you know, a, very good, a very good game, but it, it was a technical mess on, on the consoles at the time. I, you know, that, that, was, I mean, that would have been probably early in the Xbox One generation because, again, it was Just Cause 3, not Just Cause 4. But, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll do that when we need to. But I agree. Yeah, it's... it's the what the ten or so hours I've played on PC were were mostly excellent, just aside from a few random bugs, but it ran great, looked great. Um yeah, and and to your point, Destin, I do hope that that uh if the if the fixes that need to that need to happen do happen, I do hope that uh that the game eventually has a no man's sky like turnaround as far as the reputation within the community because that's the, at least that's the upside i mean we we think we tend to think about the internet as being a pretty negative place uh i think i don't know i do maybe it's that's just my negative outlook on things but but we have seen time and again like no man's sky is the quintessential example and we've seen it uh with other games since where when no man's sky you know it had so much hype coming same similar similar to cyberpunk 
where so much hype before it comes out and then it comes out and in a different way, it wasn't a technical issue, but in a, in a, in a different way, No Man's Sky is profoundly disappointing and, and the community just all that goodwill and enthusiasm turned completely toxic, completely uh, sour. But then over time, Hello Games put in the work. And now anything that, you know, when we post trailers for like, you know, No Man's Sky Next and all these continual new updates that they're doing, it's the upvotes are through the roof and the sentiment has completely come back around to that initial insane and th- wonderful enthusiasm that that there that was there before no man's sky initially came out so i hope that that uh cyberpunk will have a similar redemption arc to it before all is said and done i, I will say too for the cyberpunk fans out there who do want like more i i guess like level-headed discussions about it, it maybe so you're not getting i guess a ton of like toxicity in there there's also a subreddit called low sodium cyberpunk that i'm actually part of <laughs> um and so it's like yes you can absolutely be critical about something that's not what we're saying it's like yes if there's issues of course address those but also understand that there are things that are enjoyable and especially for the pc players and i am i don't know i am I feel genuinely bad that the console experience was such a bad time because I know how many people play console. Like if, again, like I was mostly a console person growing up. And so I know how disappointed I would have been if that happened to me for something I was looking forward to so much. Um, but if it if it did work out for you, I hope so. And um, there's there's a community there for that too. But I agree, Ryan. It would be very nice to see them kind of turn this around. Yeah. Kind of have to. You're just hoping. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. Sympath- I'm sympathetic to the narrative designers, like, you know, emotions oh, yeah. and, and how he feels about the situation. But at the end of the day, they launched a version on base consoles that doesn't do his narrative design justice and never should have seen the light of day. Is that and, acceptable? And, yeah, it, absolutely. Unacceptable. And the problem is they marketed it as though you would be getting basically a higher quality version than what was delivered. They did a live stream a few weeks before, and I, I feel like I'm just regurgitating what's already been covered. But like they literally did a live stream where they showed a version of the game. That doesn't seem like it's what was delivered, you know, and and that's why they they got so much heat at the at the end of the day, and uh, yeah, I want to yeah, I mean, see it. it I, I want to see it come full circle, Ryan. Also, yeah. I don't think the base consoles have a chance. I don't think it's designed in a way that they're ever going to be able to get those to a point where they need to be. But I think the One X is salvageable, the PS4 Pro is salvageable, and of course, the next gen consoles when that comes out will will be in a uh, much more stable state. Like just fix the crashes at least on the One X and and Pro and forward, and then you're already in much better situation. Why didn't they just delay it? It's just so frustrating because I, I had a really good time with PC, and when I start talking about it, I'm like, just delay it. Like, why well, would you push it I mean, out? That's like, yeah, we've talked about it before. I mean, it, it's <laughs> right. know, whether it's fair or not for me as a media lackey to sit here and and criticize is is. Up for debate, but to me, it seems like a that was a clear failure of leadership, not the development team. Oh yeah, that's absolutely. on CD Projekt leadership to say to take a you know because didn't wasn't there some quote where they say they just didn't really even look at the, the at the base console versions before they went they on camera. It? They went on camera and they said we didn't see the problems that surface. I'm like, yeah. I played for an hour and these problems are readily right. apparent the second you turn on the base console and, and version. You're telling me your team of like, like, like nobody called that out. I don't believe a- it. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely someone just saying, we yeah. didn't know, pushing it under the rug. It's like they had to know, like that leadership team had to know that there were issues. I, I without a doubt, 
someone just I mean that's yeah it's just frustrating it, to me it's uh, I think a good thing you like a uh, sort of a comparison you can make is look at Microsoft uh, delaying Halo Infinite for a year they they took a lot of crap for it but it was the right decision mm-hmm. CD Projekt Red that's that's what would have you know I'm not saying that Halo would have gone like that necessarily maybe it would have but I'm not saying but but that's sort of I think those are reasonable like scenario A scenario B where there was no delay to those base console versions and now you've seen what happened and so I mean either way it's going to be bad you know you just you've painted yourself into a corner marketing wise both and Microsoft did the same they painted themselves into a corner but they made the right decision under that self-inflicted paint ourselves into a corner circumstance CD project red did not make the right decision into that in that we painted ourselves into a corner circumstance yeah, for better or for worse ryan the industry has heard loud and clear that you don't rely on day one patches to make your game better because sometimes it doesn't work out like in cyberpunk situation yeah. and you you don't like just be honest that's all people want yeah. be honest hey the base console versions like here's how they look and just show it <laughs> like if, if it's not good like but when you try and sweep it under the rug that's when people get mad because they feel like they've been lied to all right uh we're just about out of time this week but quickly i want to just mention well, i guess i'll mention may games with gold armello may 1st uh lego batman may 1st to the 15th dungeons 3 may 16th to june 15th and Tropico 4, also May 16th. So uh, Lego Batman and Tropico seem like pretty good highlights there. All I will right. tell you what. I will I think I said I, I promised Loot Box at the top, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back on that. We'll get to Loot Box next week. Let's do trivia real quick here before we've each got to get on to, to more meetings, sadly. It's a meeting-tastic week as, uh, as event season starts to spin up at IGN. Our Unlock Block trivia question comes from TK in Texas. And it is a Mass Effect question, or and Halo, so you should both be happy and hopefully both get this right. <laughs> TK from Texas asked, Mass Effect and Halo are storied sci-fi franchises that got their starts on Xbox. With both of the series having big releases slated for this year, here's a trivia question that combines them. Which of the following species are not from either Halo or Mass Effect? And if I expect both of you to get this, come on. A, Prophets, B, Protoss, C, Protheans, or D, Prometheans. Now, let me get I know my, this one. make sure. I, I, Destin smiling, 100%. Miranda, poker face right now. Little smirk, okay. Uh, Miranda, do you think you know this? B, Protoss. You must construct additional pylons. B, Protoss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you for both properly identifying the StarCraft you, alien race. <laughs> I was hooked on the original StarCraft. It's probably the first game I know life. Nice. Both of you getting credit there. Excellent work. I still, I, I like that question, even though I thought the, the odds were good that you would both get it. It's, it's, oh. I don't want to stump you every week. I got to keep your morale <laughs> up to keep you playing this game all year long. So TK from Texas, thank you very much. Uh, you did not stump the panel, but still a good question. Now, if anybody else out there wants to attempt to stump the panel with an Xbox trivia question, please send it my way. The email address is unlocked at IGN.com. Include your question, include four multiple choice answers, and please note the correct answer in your email. And we'll play again next week. And with that, it is time to hit the road. Uh, as for me, I'm at 
DMC underscore Ryan on Twitter. Hey, Unfiltered has been has come roaring back after a, a little accidental hiatus to start the year. Uh, Hakan Abrak, the studio head of IO Interactive, is my latest guest. I would highly encourage you to check that out. He talks about Hitman. Uh, he talks about the James Bond 007 project that, that IO has going on. Really fun conversation there. So you can find that on your favorite podcast service or on YouTube or IGN as well. Destin, what are you up to? Yeah, so I'm going to use this as an opportunity to plug the fact that I'm actually hiring at IGN. I'm looking for somebody to join the the gameplay team as a gameplay producer. This is a, a like, it, it's just a step above entry level. So I expect you to like be able to edit videos and a video editing piece of software, potentially do narration and Hopefully you've edited together some gameplay clips and you can send over a video example. So specifically, I'm looking for a video skill set and I would love to see your resume. So check out, I posted it on Twitter, twitter.com slash at Destin You can also Google gameplay producer at IGN and it'll probably pop up on our JT Or just IGN jobs. Googling that would probably take you to the to the job site as well, right? Yeah. And I encourage everybody to apply. I want to see good video work, period. That's what I want to see. And uh that's what I'm looking for. So go for it. Like, I'm excited to look at all the resumes. We're going to give it about a week to collect the whole bunch. And then I'm going to be looking over everybody's stuff. So you have time. Uh, put in something cool. Great. Miranda, take us home. Yeah. So you can find me at Havoc Gross on Tavik with a K on Twitch, Twitter, and everywhere else. Um, right now for IGN, I'm doing some behind the scenes things, which is a lot of my job these days. <laughs> um, and some other things I can't talk about. But one thing I can plug really quickly is we do have a guide in progress for MLB The Show 21. So for those of you who picked up on Game Pass, maybe it's your first time playing. We have a really great beginner's guide up already. So um, and our writer is working on like some how-to guides and some other things to help you, you know, be a better hitter, be a better pitcher, whatever it may be. If you just need some extra help on like knowing like what is the community like here, um, our guide writer did a great job of identifying those things of like the most popular ways to uh, throw, pitch. I don't remember I, what it was. Yeah, well, there's a legit text. There's a Ryan lot of I had a question about baseball <laughs> games. It was so stupid. I'm like, why do I keep missing? I was tapping to hit the ball and you're supposed to hold it. Oh, I felt so yeah. well, there are. Stupid. So there are a lot of different. Yeah. There are a lot of different um, pitching methods or or uh, hitting control and throwing. There's so they've the, the series has gone on so long. You can do analog hitting, analog throwing, analog pitching or just button presses. There's a million different ways. Find the one that works for you using There's six the options guide. for each thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we're trying to clarify all of those if it's your first game. Editing that guide was real fun for me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, it's a learning so experience. It, it is. It was a learning experience. I, I actually do like editing and reading into things that I'm not really familiar with, even especially if I only have like a surface level knowledge of them, um, because I like to learn things. So that's always fun. Uh, one quick shout out to you. I was really scared about the Unlock Bok trivia that Profits was going to be a weird throwaway because technically the Profits is not the species. That's their title. But I was like, I was like, <laughs> is this? And I was like, no, we're going to roll with it. We know the Profits are a thing in Halo. So. Yes. We're good. Well done. Well done to both of you. Uh, for Destin, Miranda, and our producer, Red, I'm Ryan. This was Unlocked 492, and we'll see you guys next week. My name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And together, we run Buffering, a rewatch adventure. 
a family of podcasts moving through our favorite 90s genre television. If you're a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, well, great news for you. Our very first podcast adventure took us through all seven seasons of the series. We covered it spoiler-free, episode by episode. For those of you who want to start the show for the first time, you can find that podcast pretty easily. It's called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Inside that podcast, you'll also find an original song that pairs with each glorious episode of Buffy and original character jingles for so many of our Buffy favorites. Buffering has been praised in places like Time, Esquire, Paste Magazine, and the New York Times, and we've chatted with dozens of cast members, writers, directors, and fans along the way. Come hang out and rewatch some of your favorite television with us and a wonderful community of listeners. Learn more at BufferingCast.com or find us on socials at BufferingCast.